0: Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and
1: destinations and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire
0: as we enjoy some stress less camping. Absolutely, positively, it is time to get stress less. That's right. I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part time in a small trailer.
2: Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. Absolutely. And here's a tip uh-huh. if you camp in a tent, or even if you have a tent on the side to keep extra stuff in,
0: or a carpet,
2: or a carpet get some stakes. Stake Mm, those mm. babies. No, 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 not that kind of (laughs) stake. Get some tent pins, some tent stakes. Or what we do is some lag bolts and we use our Ryobi drill to screw those lag bolts into the ground. I saw a post about a tent that was flying through the air (laughs) because it didn't have enough weight on it. And it triggered a lot of talk about people who have had tents fly away tents get destroyed because they didn't stake the tent down properly well
0: and and I've also seen the same thing with carpets you know those rugs that you put out in front of your RV yep but here's the thing I don't like about tent stakes. They're easy enough to pound into the ground, right? Well, if
2: the ground's soft enough to hammer into.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, we've been there too. (laughs) But then getting them back out is the tough part, right?
2: Yeah, it's not easy to get those things pulled back out.
0: So here's your friendly Tony the RV Geek tip. Lag bolts You can go to your local hardware store And get what they call lag bolts And I get I don't know What are they like Five inches long Something like that I'd say yeah And they're dirt cheap They're these big old bolts And if you already have An electric drill with you That you use for Raising and lowering Your stabilizer jacks Or just happen to have An electric drill Because you know why not Why not You can drill those bolts Right into the ground And they hold at least as well If not better than Tent stakes Yep And then But getting them out you just reverse your drill and brrr, out it they come. Comes. Yeah, so, so much easier. Yeah, it's great because how many times have we been to a campground and there wasn't somebody's old tent stakes there right right? there's always a
2: stake in the ground somewhere (laughs) and so
0: by having these it's easy to get them out you don't have to ruin those loops on the corners of your tent or your carpet or whatever the heck it is and now on our carpet the holes are a little bit bigger and so i bought big old washers to go with those lag bolts and it just it does a super job
2: and you know there's actually on our amazon store there is a link to the camco washers essentially i mean they're nicer they're nylon and they're kind of a three inch or so nylon square that will hold the corner down so that you're not catching on to your rug loops when you're trying to screw your bolt in
0: when was the last time we used the word rug loops
2: Rug loops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey. I think
2: I had an aunt that used to make those rugs. <laughs> really? Those, not those rugs, but loop rugs. Anyway, huh. whatever. Wow. Well,
0: today, as we release this, it is April Fool's Day. That's right. And we have got sort of a April Fool's, not April Fool's guest today. We'll be right back after this. And we have to introduce you to a dude who's just, he's awesome.
2: I see you're packing for our next road trip.
0: Oh, yeah. These are all the ingredients for making different grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub stick.
2: Great. But uh, where are the clothes?
0: I got all kinds of inspiration for making grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub sticks over the campfire. There are 11 kinds of cheese and bacon, bacon jam, ham, five kinds of bread. Wait, wait
2: okay, that's all for making grilled cheese sandwiches? Yeah. I know the grub stick is a perfect campfire accessory made of quality parts that work together for sandwiches, hot dogs, s'mores, woofums, and all sorts of other great meals. But isn't this a bit too much variety? Camping is supposed to be simple.
0: Oh, it's simple to use your grub stick over the campfire or even on the barbecue to make great meals. And even kids can use them safely and easily. Plus, with the coupon code HAPPY CAMPERS, you get 15% off your grub sticks. It's the best deal around.
2: Yeah, but it's gonna take us weeks to eat that mini grilled cheese sandwiches.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Weeks of grilled cheese. You say that like it's a bad thing. And you haven't even seen what I packed for breakfasts and dinners. We are going to be camping for months.
2: My husband is insane. But Grubstick is the perfect cooking accessory for any campfire. And you can get 15% off using the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS from our partner's page at StresslessCamping.com.
0: All right. So we are back and excited about those Grubsticks. And we have a gentleman who Speaking I have... Grub... Been. Yeah, how funny. There's a gentleman I have been following for some time now, and he has built cars for Jay Leno. If you've watched videos of a thing called the Deco Liner, the Deco Liner is sort of a camper because he's traveled around the U.S. with it. That's
2: true, he has.
0: It's two stories tall. It has what they call a flying bridge. Which means he can literally take the steering wheel from downstairs, bring it upstairs, and drive from up there. Yeah. And so this gentleman owns a place called Blastoline, and he is just a super duper guy and also quite a character. So please help me welcome my friend Randy Grubb to the Stressless Camping Podcast. Here we go with Randy Grubb from Blastoline talking about the Deco Liner since we're a podcast about RVs, we should probably talk about the deco liner, but I noticed in your book, there's an Picture of another two-story RV with a VW bus as the top and a Divco milk truck as the bottom.
1: Yeah, I built two coaches now, RVs or whatever you want to call them. The first one was a deco liner, and a lot of people know that one because it was on Storage Wars and some other things with Barry Weiss driving it, and it was quite the unique piece. But yeah, after that, that was followed up by another piece that I call the Magic Bus. And it was kind of an interesting confluence of events. A guy called from San Francisco and said, you know, hey, I think I need the deco liner. And I said, well, you know, that's unfortunate because it's already sold and (laughs) a great guy has it. But tell me what you're looking for. And so he proceeded to explain to me that he was looking for basically a party vehicle. And he had a need for the ability for a bunch of people to get on board. And this guy is British. And drinking is a big (laughs) part of the program. (laughs) So as the more he started to describe what he needed, the more I kind of recoiled in horror thinking about the liner being used for such a thing. The problem with the liner in my opinion with drunken people, is that the ability to drive from the top was really great and fun and all that stuff. However, the railing at the top, when you stood up (laughs) on the back deck, on the upper deck, on the deco liner, the railing was right about at a little above your knees, but below your waist. And that made me think about people that have had a little bit too much to drink. You <laughs> <know>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for those that don't know my background, you know, with my crazy creations, you know, I built the Jay Leno tank car and that car features a motor out of an M47 patent tank. <laughs> and it's your basic thousand horsepower V12, but it's enormous and The motor itself is almost seven feet long. It's a big V12 displacing 1,800 cubic
0: inches. (laughs) A lot of our listeners are not big car people. Motorheads. Yeah. Let's say if you go buy a Honda Accord, you have a three liter V6. And this is, you said 18 liter? Over 25 liters. Okay. So it's... 25 liters. It's eight
2: Accords in one. Right.
1: (laughs) it's ridiculously large. I'm an automotive artist. I don't call myself a hot rod builder. I don't call myself anything else. I'm an artist. And what my sculptures are about are what any good sculpture is about. And that's flow, balance, motion, all the elements that go into a good sculpture. That's what I try to bring to the party. And so when I start with something like an M47 patent tank engine that's seven feet long and four feet tall and Four feet wide and on and on. It wouldn't fit in anything. And I'm not interested in building a contraption with a weird motor. What I'm interested in building is a piece of sculpture. And so that car dictated how about a hundred and ninety inch wheelbase. Okay. For non-car people, a dually crew cab is a hundred and sixty. So that's the biggest truck on the road. You know, the big four-door pickup trucks with the eight-foot beds, those giant things. Those are 160-inch wheelbase. So this is 30 inches longer than that, okay? So really big car, but without a human being next to it, Jay Leno, it's hard to tell exactly how big that car is. And I actually think Jay bought it because it actually makes his chin look small. (laughs) And
0: And that's saying something because... uh, And that's really saying something, exactly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So here again, it's back to the quality of the sculpture. It's about sculpture, sculpture, sculpture. And as I figured thinking about, you know, having people that have been drinking on the top of the deco liner, it just wasn't a practical situation. You know, right. I, I figured the you know, people are going to be tumbling out of it, or and that would be a real problem. And so back to the point is, I really take the functionality of my sculptures really seriously. I mean, the Jay Leno tank car, you know, 10,000 pounds, 1,000 horsepower. The car better work as a car. It better drive, it better steer, it better stop. A few things like that are super important, okay? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think that I'm this crazy artist that does away with all reason and logic and does silly things like allow you to drive from the top of the deco (laughs) line. And yeah, I did that. And people ask me, is that legal? Eagle. And my answer always back is, well, it's not illegal. And- <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's a very important part because when a policeman pulls you over and they write you up, they have to write on the ticket what vehicle code you yeah. violated. And guess what? There's nothing in the books about driving your car from the roof because no one would be stupid enough to try such <laughs> a silly thing. So people ask me, how did you do that? You know, are you pulling on ropes or what are you doing? And, <laughs> and here again, back to the functionality and the safety. No, you can't be pulling on ropes because here again, you're driving from the roof. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all fun and games until you shoot your eye out. And if you get in an accident driving from the roof, guess who's going to be held liable? Uh, yeah. The guy driving from the roof probably so (laughs) (laughs) so the connections and everything that i created the engineering going into the deco liner is really significant and it's done so it can be done safely and soundly and so that your your steering connections to the roof aren't strings with ropes on the end of them. It's actually done in a very simple but mechanical method where I actually extend the steering shaft six feet and it's a solid coupling. I have a race car disconnect on the lower steering wheel and I pull a pin, pop the steering wheel off, and then connect the steering shaft, which is stowed over my head in the normal driving position, and I clip it on to where the steering wheel used to sit. And now the steering shaft is literally six feet longer and I can take the steering wheel upstairs and drive it from the roof so there's a lot of engineering <laughs> and thought that goes into these crazy crazy sculptures and so this guy's telling me how he wants to you know drive the deco line around with his buddies and visit the wineries and you know do a lot of wine tasting and i'm like oh wow and then he tells me yeah, i'm from san francisco and you know this is gonna be san francisco based and i'm like okay well the ultimate hippie way
0: yeah you need brakes well you need brakes but
1: you also need let's do it really super safely and yeah. that's when i thought about a variant and I never do the same thing twice okay as an artist I can't do the same thing twice I always have to mix it up so although the guy wants something like a deco liner it's got to be pretty different and it can't be the same it can't have the same front end I started with a 1950 white nose on the deco liner and I thought what's the next best vintage art deco nose well that would be the Devco milk truck from the late 40s early 50s
3: which (laughs) I
0: absolutely love yeah those things are so terrific
1: lines on them are fabulous, right? So I get the idea. I will use a Devco milk truck for the downstairs, but what do we do upstairs and how do we make it safe? The guy likes the idea to open air, but man, we got to corral them in somehow. And then I remembered my childhood. When I was in junior high school, my best friend's mother drove a 23 window combi bus with big sunroof and the whole deal and I'm like wow the big sunroof would allow everybody to stick their head out and you know you, you gotta stick your head out and wave and right. you know, yeah, because that's what it's about and so I thought wow well, right, well that'll corral them in and then they won't have the staircase up the back because I could just imagine somebody's iPhone bouncing down the staircase <laughs> when they're on the freeway <laughs> at 70 miles an hour and then them reaching for it and then everybody ends up on the freeway the iPhone and the guy reaching for it Yeah, yeah. how do we get here, you know and it's like well that's bad so here again randy thinking about the functionality and what his customer really would want and how to make it safe and sound let's put the vw bus on the top that's the ultimate hippie wagon but the hippies weren't good craftsmen they were kind of poor craftsmen too busy smoking pot and they you know right? <laughs> so i'm like all right i'll build a nicely crafted one so the idea was let's get the 23 window Let's cut it in two and let's stack it on the top. And, of course, we didn't start with a real 23 window. Randy's not even dumb enough to do that. I started with an 11 window and got the 23 roof kit, which converts the roof to the sunroof and the top light configuration, which is super cool. And then I cut the thing in two and mounted it on the top. And for that piece, what was really important was maintaining the v on the front of the Volkswagen. For me, I thought it has to be maintained all the way to the bottom of the point. That's the iconic part of it. You just can't chop it off and whack it on the top. So how do you do this? And I thought, well, it's going to hang low. And so as I started to stack the whole sculpture up, first thing that I noticed was the Devco milk truck was too narrow. It was about as wide as the VW was up top and the whole thing was looking too linear, too narrow and tall and it looked top heavy. So to balance the sculpture, we widened the base of the sculpture eight inches. We widened the Devco. Devco milk truck, eight inches wow. on the bottom. Yeah. Cut the nose into 25 <laughs> pieces of <laughs> metal oh and t- I wow. it all back together. Yeah. And widened it and made a one piece tilt out of the front end. And that really helped the proportion of the Devco. If you notice the Devco's always have those real big windows and they look real wide eyed and you know, a lot of guys. Yeah. Like to chop right. them. So widening it just brought it back into proportion. The windows look great. Huh. And I'm stacking the VW on top and I'm sliding it back. And all of a sudden I could see, wow, the entire V is maintained. So it was really fun to build another motorhome type vehicle. And both these vehicles are based on the 70s GMC motorhome chassis, which is the iconic, you know, 70 to 74 GMC motorhome, the yeah. urban assault vehicle in stripes, those aerodynamic, super great ones. Well, once again, I had a buddy in high school whose dad had one, and we used to go to the USC football games. You know? <laughs> so I remembered that. So when I'm thinking about the deco line or the first build, I'm like, well, how can I, I want to go double decker. I had gone... Uh, for a houseboat ride for a week at Lake Shasta, where we had the double-decker houseboat where you had the flying bridge. And I'm like, this is so cool driving from the roof. How come we can't do that with a car? So that's what started the thing. And then it's like, all right, well, how do we build it? And you know, what can we build it on? And what kind of chassis can we use? Most motorhomes, you, know, you walk up a flight of stairs to get above the drivetrain. Yeah. And the GMC motorhomes, the floor is 14 inches off the ground because they're front wheel drive. It's a 455-old. Yeah. Yep, it's a really strange configuration. So I thought, well, let's get one of those. So I found a wrecked one and pulled the body off of it. And that became the donor chassis for both the vehicles for these 70s GMC motorhomes. And they work really good. And there's still a collector base. And there's still parts availability and improved parts, et cetera, et cetera, available for these. You know, there's still collectors' clubs that meet annually. And uh, yeah. I got to speak at one. And- so it was really a great chassis to use. So then on the second bus, the magic bus, because I eliminated the rear staircase, it became a problem. How do we get up to the upper deck? And then I remembered from childhood the Jupiter 2, which was the spaceship in Lost in Space. Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah, right. The elevator in the Jupiter two. remember watching them step onto this funny little platform and these two little rings would come around their waist and then you'd watch their legs disappear up into the roof. (laughs) I'm thinking about that. And I'm like, wow, man, that'd be so cool to put an elevator in the bus. So the magic bus, (laughs) yeah. So the magic bus actually has an elevator to take you from the lower deck to the upper deck.
3: And it's super
1: fun. Yeah, it's super fun and it's super simple. It can be either used as a ladder or as Jupiter lost in space. (laughs) So there's a great video on YouTube of me at the very first show. I took it to, I'm at the Brant's Pass show at the park and I let kids go up and down on the elevator all day long. The kids would line up and yeah, they'd go up and down on the elevator and they'd have so much fun riding the elevator. So here's what's really interesting about both these vehicles. It was a very interesting situation. As you know, you know, I build all these crazy things and some of them are super serious, you know, like my Falconer Dodici, which is inspired by the 1937 Gallagher Type 145 V12 car. And it has this really beautiful V12 in it made by Ryan Falconer. It's a French curve car and it's a really beautiful car, but it's a very serious car. When people look at it, they look at it oh so seriously because it's obviously something very I don't know,
0: serious. That car also, if your sculptures, a lot of times when you look at even resto mods or things that people do, it doesn't take you long to find the flaw in the ointment, right? You can see it's like, oh, that's plastic headlight bezel, or the taillights are from this modern vehicle. And you, I mean, the detail, like on the DecoPod where you have a cast taillight. I mean, just those little details make such a difference. And that's part of why that car, you look at it and it may take you a good long while if you even can't figure out that it's not from the 30s. It is just your sculptures are really thorough. Um, They're awesome. (laughs) It's the attention to detail.
1: And yeah, blending the old with the new really confuses the heck out of everybody. (laughs) So when you throw in a real vintage basil, and I always use real glass or never plastic as a glass blower. My background is in glass blowing. So if I have to have a light lens hand blown by my buddies in the glass world, we do. Things like the Cloisonne badges on the Dodici were created by Margarita Pavlova, one of the last... Past cloisonne artists in the world that can create such things. And, you know, I met these people through my art world and I remember them and I bring them into my sculptures. There's always a critical element within every sculpture. Pissed off Pete, for instance, the front wheel. <laughs> yeah, it's a semi truck and it's really a crazy semi truck. But these 12 spoke spindle mount wheels that I had created for the front were really expensive, but they're a critical design element. And if you compromised on that, because the whole car is built out of semi-truck parts, the only wheels available are semi-truck wheels. And those are big, heavy things. So trading some 12-spoke spindle mounts for the lightness that I was wanting on the front of Pissed Off P that was critically important. And you can't compromise or you're going to ruin the sculpture. And like you say, that's, I think, one of my strengths is (laughs) there's always a a surprise on all my sculptures that I don't see coming. The one on the deco liner, the windows, the portholes were Hand blown glass bubbles created by my buddies in the glass world. And these are bubbles, and if you notice, they get bigger as they go forward. Well, they increase yeah. velocity as they go forward, also. So the bubbles get bigger and bigger as they go forward, okay? Huh. People running up to the vehicle, they run up to the vehicle and they want to look in the window. Once they get about two feet away, they forget or they don't see or whatever <laughs> happens. <laughs>
0: I see the, where the this windows is are going.
1: bubbling. Yeah. And it's so fun at the end of a show to wipe the greasy nose prints <laughs> off the windows. And man, you get some perfect porky pig greases on there, man. Oh, look at this one. This guy nailed it square, man. You got both nostrils. and the- <laughs> Yeah. And really weird. And from the inside, it's the weirdest thing, man. When you're driving down the road, you can stick your head into the bubble and your eye is actually outside of uh-huh. the vehicle. So and cool. yeah, it's it's really, really weird. Okay, so the first time I'm driving the Deco liner, it's its world debut, right? It's set to debut up at the Portland Art Museum and I'm late. I'm have to drive at two hundred miles from Grants Pass, Oregon up to Portland. Literally the first time the vehicle's on the road, I'm driving along and you know, gee, I have to get some gas. And you know, never struck me why you know all these people are pulling off. Gee, they all need gas same time. Hmm, all of a sudden, well, no, they, they want to look at this thing, right? So they're all mobbing me, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. And I ma- I always make up a line of BS about everything. So this is you know Flash <laughs> Gordon's motorhome. You know, Flash is you know getting older. He didn't you know the were a little hard on. I mean, he needed a good low Earth orbit vehicle. So I think you know this is what Flash is cruising around in. And I show up and. I'm like, now I got to go. I got to go. I'm late. I got to go, right? I mean, I got to go. And I finally kind of excuse myself. I got to go. And here comes a bus and 30 deaf kids. <laughs> and now I'm surrounded with 30 deaf kids. And I'm in a hurry. And that was the time that the epiphany really hit that, You brought the circus to town and yet you don't have time.
3: Really. Oh,
1: man. And that's when it struck me that there's a big responsibility with driving these vehicles because they are the universal joy vehicles, machines of all time. And as you drive down the highway, you know, back in the day, you got thumbs up. Now you get the device. The device goes out the window and everybody's (laughs) showing you their device. Oh, nice, Samsung. Nice, you know. (laughs) Because they're all taking your picture and they pull up and, you know, they got to get the back, they got to get the front, they got to get the (laughs) side, and getting anywhere, just getting into a gas station and out of a gas station can be an hour because the kids want to talk and I'll always let the kids go in and always let the kids go up and always ride the elevator and whatever, because that's what it's about. That's the responsibility of creating such a thing and bringing such a thing into the world. And like I say, it's totally different than the reaction they get from the Dodici. The Dodici, the head goes down, the brow furrows, the arms cross, and they look at it oh so seriously. And then their eyes across to the deco liner and the arms unfold, the shoulders go back, the chin goes up, the eyes and the mouth <laughs> smile uh-huh. brightly. And it's so much more fun as an artist to elicit that response than the other response. It's a joy to bring such things into the world, and the fun of driving them is ridiculous. I got to drive the Deco Liner 15,000 miles. We took it to Quartzsite in the middle really? of the season. <laughs> we were in Arizona, Washington, Nevada. California and Oregon, driving it from the roof, (laughs) waving (laughs) to the policemen as they passed us. (laughs) (laughs) We were never even stopped in 15,000 miles of deco liner fun. And now, yeah, a guy in Michigan bought it because he has a dyslexic son that doesn't like to be tied down and he can move around in the deco liner. So they're enjoying it. And that's awesome. And the Magic Bus lives in San Francisco. It's Part of the battery, which is a private social club, and they use it for wine tastings and things like that. That's so,
2: awesome. So that means you're designing yeah. a new motorhome, then, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Always, always. Always. I've got a guy that actually wants to go to the tip of South America. So we're talking. So we'll see what happens.
0: And you will do custom projects for people, if I'm not mistaken, correct?
1: Yeah. However, I require complete artistic control over the project. Like the fellow that ended up with a magic bus. I said, you know, here's the deal. I'm a complete control freak because the magic bus elevator didn't come up until very 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 late in the build right and what happens is as I'm building the sculptures the sculptures begin to you know speak to you and they tell you what they need and and as you look at them and you start to scrutinize them and you you're you know struggling with all the elements that make a good sculpture a good sculpture and you're trying to you know do the very best you can and then something like that that little spark hits your brain where you think about the Jupiter 2's elevator and you go, wow, what a great idea. And it became the feature of the bus and had, you know, designs be checked off and okay, signatures that never could have occurred. So the artistic process and the artistic aspect of letting the sculptures develop organically and naturally is critically part of my process. Although it doesn't really sound like it because all of my sculptures have gone from drawing to driving single-handedly in my, in effect, backyard shop in Grants Pass, Oregon. I have no employees. Whole thing happens in eighteen months from drawing to driving.
0: When you think about like you're doing French curves on the metal, and I mean that's impressive. It's
1: an insane amount of work. It's a serious yeah. serious medical condition. <laughs> is the best way to turn it. <laughs> I get five thousand hours in my sculptures in eighteen months. When you do the math on that, I know it sounds impossible, but it's really not. The way I look at it is like. Most people, you know, work a 40 hour week. Well, all you have to do is be willing to work two 10 hour days on the weekend. And now you got a 60-hour week. Yeah. And I know that sounds like a serious medical condition. It just proves out the depth of the psychosis here. But that's the way I roll. And once I start a project, it's an OCD thing. Mm-hmm. And I basically don't think about anything else. I only do one project at a time. You know, it started and it's completed. And my customers, of course, love it because I always tell them two years and I always do it in 18 months.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I always stick to my budget. I never charged one penny more than what's agreed to at the very beginning. So coming in ahead of schedule, on budget, Pretty much
0: unheard of. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) Especially for as
0: terrific as your projects are.
2: And especially since they morph or they define and kind of detail themselves out as you go. So you didn't know in the beginning that you'd need the money for the elevator at the end.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And, you know, I tell these guys, you know, straight out because, you know, my customers are very, very wealthy guys. And I say, look, you know, I understand you didn't get to the point you are in this world. By not being in control. You're used to being in control and you're used to being at the helm here, but that's not the way this program works. What's going to happen is you're going to give me a lot of money and you're not even going to have a clear idea what I'm building. (laughs) (laughs) then the clock's going to tick around and there's going to be a time when you have to write me another big check. And here again, you are not even going to have a clear idea of what you're writing that check for. So (laughs) I understand this is a leap of faith, but you have to look at what I'm going to do and understand my process and give me the freedom for that process to unfold. And we will both create something really spectacular, but I need the space and I need the ability to... Do what I do, yeah. so <laughs> so I'm a lucky guy that I that I have customers put up with such you know arrogance and uh, <laughs> well. But and, I think
0: your projects speak for themselves. I mean, if I had a couple more bucks, I'd love to have something like the Deco oh, liner. Yes. I mean, I already crave a GMC motorhome, and then to make something that cool even cooler is that's a tough <laughs> thing to do. <laughs>
2: We're going to stop wasting so much money and start saving up for
1: (laughs) There you go.
0: Stay focused here. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Oh, man. Well, Randy, I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us. And we'll share pictures of your wonderful project and also how to find you. And your book is, I noticed it's only available on eBay, I believe, at this point.
1: That's correct through Randy Johnson, the guy who wrote the book okay. in Florida. I okay. wonder
0: if you could also get it at Autobooks, Zero Books, and Ben Eyes. Oh it is. Okay. It is. I'll put them I really like those people.
1: Yeah, Tina, yep, they've got it. There are a couple places that handle it.
0: Yep. I've spent way too much money with Tina over
1: the years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> well, thank you again okay. so much. Thank and you, Andy. Have a terrific day, and we'll keep following and, and drooling as we follow your projects. <laughs> thank you for the interest. Thanks, oh, guys. My pleasure. Thank Take you. care.
2: Remember that time we followed our GPS and ended up at the top of a cliff overlooking the campground?
0: Yeah, I had to back the trailer down a mountain road.
2: Remember the time we went on that twisty, windy road and hit our awning on a tree?
0: Yeah, I do. But now those kinds of things aren't going to happen anymore, thanks to RV Trip Wizard.
2: Right. RV Trip Wizard lets you plan your journeys before you go, and then use their app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate that journey.
0: You can set parameters such as how far you want to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops, and even read reviews of the campgrounds and places you want to go to. It all takes into account the size of your RV and more.
2: Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't going to lead you into trouble.
0: If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on stresslesscamping.com where you can also listen to our interview with RV Trip Wizard and learn about the whole RV Life Suite. Now Now that's Stressless camping. Camping. Well, look at us back again here. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed Randy. When Peggy said, hey, our podcast is coming out on April Fool's Day. I'm like, oh, I wonder if Randy has some time. And he did. <laughs> and it makes me happy. And one of the things we're not fooling about is it's about time that a lot of you folks are dewinterizing your RV. Yay! So if you had to winterize and you now had to reverse the process, what we'll do is we'll put a link to our winterizing episode. Right. And basically just play it backwards and you'll be all set.
2: There you go. (laughs) So a lot of people that have to put their campers away for winter, it's now becoming spring. Well, you know, it's officially spring, but the weather's getting to the point where we all start to believe it. And so...
0: (laughs) Yeah, right?
2: So we're we're going to be well not us, sorry. People are going to be dewinterizing. You want to get up on the roof and check all the seals and make sure they survived the winter. Yeah,
0: that's one of the things that a lot of times people miss is roof maintenance. But we have a tip for that too. We do. So Funny thing, we have some classes coming up that we're giving, and we're making videos and such for that. And Peggy went out with our GoPro and shot a video of the roof without having to get up on the roof.
3: Right. <laughs> and
0: I'm like, what a great way to do a roof inspection. It's yeah. brilliant. So you, if you don't like going up on roofs...
2: Just get an extension for your camera. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you have one of those selfie sticks that they banned at Disneyland... That reaches. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Take so. a video
2: and then check out your video and look at your seals on your roof. You know, some of them, maybe they should have a little bit closer inspection, but it's a good overall view.
0: Yeah, it'll give you an idea. That goes back to my old tip. If you ever want to know the absolute laziest way to do something, (laughs) ask somebody like me. Don't ask some skinny young feller. Because
2: that young feller would have climbed up the ladder. He'd have been up on the ladder looking. Not (laughs) me. Falled all over the roof, but no, not us. Uh -uh.
0: (laughs) You'll also want to check the water in the batteries. And in some situations, it's a good idea to have brought your batteries in so that water doesn't freeze. But we have tips for checking the water in your RV batteries, That we'll put a link to. And that's critical that you do that periodically. Some say once every couple of weeks. I don't know. I do it like once a month. Yeah. Of course, if you have the lithium Lion Energy batteries, you won't need to do this. You won't need
2: to do that. And next week, we'll talk about some other ideas for a little bit less maintenance issues. Right. The other thing you want to do is inspect your tires. Now, we always recommend that every single time you're going to move your trailer or your RV... You verify that your tires are at the proper inflation and take a little peek at them. But I mean, get like down in there and look at the tires. Make sure there's no cracking or lumps or bumps or bubbles or anything else that might have popped up during the winter.
0: Have hopped up. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, another thing to do is to look at the date the tires were manufactured, and that will be in a little oval. It's a four-digit number. So let's say it says 1914, just for example.
2: That's an old tire. Yeah, it is. It was made in <laughs> two
0: thousand, the 14th week of 2019. So the first oh. two digits are the year, and the second two digits are the month of manufacture, or the week of manufacture, excuse me. We have our Goodyear episode that we can also link to, but essentially if your RV tires are more than five years old, you should probably consider replacing them because they typically don't wear out, they age out.
2: Right. So it's not a matter of how many miles you put on it. It's not all about how much tread is left. It's not even all about how they look. There's a lot of factors that go into deciding whether your tires are safe. And you don't want to drive on unsafe tires. No,
0: that's a bad thing. So things to do right now as your RV wakes up from its winter nap. Time to take it out and go enjoy this beautiful country.
2: Indeed. All right, we
0: have something new. We do.
2: And it'll help you enjoy this beautiful country.
0: We have a new feature on the Stressless Camping Podcast where we find a campground in this beautiful country country and we talk to them and they can tell us tips for the area, recommendations, highlights of what to see when you're there.
2: The best time to visit that area.
0: So we started out with Loon's Haven Campground in Maine, all the way on the other side of the country, and spoke with Billy. And so without any further ado, we would like to welcome our very first campground, friend to the podcast this is a brand new feature for us and we are interviewing and speaking with people who own or manage campgrounds across the u.s not only to find some great places for us to stay but for you to stay and some great destinations to visit so we have billy mcnamara from Lundheben campground
2: on tricky pond yep. in <laughs> <laughs> on tricky pond in naples maine so about as far from California as we could get Yeah, for our first time out. <laughs> Billy, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you guys so much. This is an awesome opportunity. I appreciate all the work you do. Oh, well, thank you. So tell us a little bit about the campground there. How many sites and what are some of the things a guest can look forward to? Our
4: campground is 154 sites. Most of them are right on the water's edge. So we are the only campground that's on Tricky Pond, which is really nice because Then it's just us and a few private residents that are using the water. It's very quiet that way. The pond is about 450 acres big and about 60 feet deep in the middle. And it is considered one of the cleanest bodies of water in the state of Maine. Wow.
0: Wow. That's huge. And so that's kind of your private pond i would imagine people who enjoy fishing are going to be some of your <laughs> customers there
4: fishing is huge here we have a fishing dock so they can go fishing and some people will fish right from their site and get these huge ginormous fish so <laughs> wow we have Bass, trout, there's just a ton of fish here. And some of the pictures that I've seen of guests that have gotten their ginormous, ginormous fish. Wow.
2: So are those fish native or are they Uh, stocked? No, ours are native. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool.
0: I would imagine that you're not year round.
4: No, we're not. Actually, today it's 14 degrees. So it's very cold here. Yeah. So we're open May 15th through
0: October 15th. Okay. And where do you find? people tend to come from
4: we actually have a wide range of people the majority of them are from the new england states so we have a lot of mainers that come massachusetts is another big one but we go as far as pennsylvania is another one that come up here quite a bit and then texas and florida are big ones that
0: come up to us wow interesting that's quite a drive yeah from texas i've
4: seen an influx in texas people coming up here and i don't know if they're just doing the trip up to new england and then going around because we have some really nice parks up here we have Acadia National Park in Bar Harbor Mm. which is a beautiful it's one of the top national parks in the country so I think a lot of people kind of swing through going that way and and visit us right
0: Interesting. Do people tend to reserve well in advance? I'd imagine they would.
4: Yeah. So, uh, you know, for this season already, I'm almost totally booked. We open our reservations. We're a little bit different than what a lot of campgrounds do. So we open our reservations May 15th, the year prior. So reservations for this year have been open since May 15th of 2020. Okay. And then this May 15th, we'll open reservations for 2022. So, you know, we recommend people book as soon as they can. And we have a lot of return guests that have been coming here since they were kids you know their parents brought them so they have their specific site that they want and so may 15th at midnight (laughs) they're on there making the reservation (laughs) right and getting them in
0: so that's like us with our christmas reservations we always reserve at the end of the christmas well they
2: yeah they have one year 365 days so we as soon as check-in day for next year comes on this year we get in there and make our reservations
0: Yes. Yeah, it works out pretty well. So in your area, is there a favorite go-to place where you always tell people you got to you have to go there?
4: There's several actually because we're in a really good location. We're north of Portland, you know, which is big city and Portland actually was named one of the top cities for restaurants. So I always recommend if people want to take the trip it's less than 40 minutes to drive down to Portland, go check out some really cool restaurants. But just here in Naples, we have what's called the Causeway. And it's got restaurants, there's bars. And we also have the Sango River Queen. So the Sango River Queen is a replica of an old like steamer ship. And you can go take day tours on it and they go up Long Lake. And it's just a really cool experience to do. So I always recommend people do that. And also on the Causeway, they have seaplane rides that you can do. You can rent boats down there. You can rent ski all of that. So just right here, a mile away from us is the causeway and you can go down there and enjoy some really great activities and events for all ages, you know, adults, kids, everything. Fun.
0: Wow, that does sound like fun. <laughs> and of course, I would imagine one of the things you have to eat there is lobster, right? Absolutely.
4: <laughs> <laughs> There's a really cool, it's called the Lobster Pound and it's just down the street from us and they have some amazing seafood. But this kind of area in Maine, Pretty much, especially during that season, you can get great seafood anywhere.
0: That's pretty cool. Aside from, of course, that, are there a lot of hiking opportunities? Is it more an outdoor focused? area or is it more things Seafood to
2: see oh well, yeah there's that. <laughs> i just want to sit in different restaurants all day eating lobster you know and that's that sounds like
0: a pretty great thing to do i mean start with you know like lobster omelet and right? then lobster sandwich and then proper lobster for dinner yeah yeah
4: get all of that i think there's something for everyone here i think maine is a very diverse state in that aspect you know you've got the ocean you've got the lakes you've got mountains we even have a desert in maine so there's something for For everyone. In our area, we actually are only about two miles from Sebago Lake State Park, and Sebago Lake is massive. It actually feeds the water for the city of Portland, and they have a lot of trails really nice beaches, wonderful water to swim in. So that's another opportunity for people to go in. And then we are only about 15 minutes from Bridgeton, Maine, where Shawnee Peak is. And Shawnee Peak is a ski resort. So oh. there's a lot oh. to do up in that area, in the mountains, hiking, there's trails everywhere. You know, there's those, all those cool apps out there for trails that you can find and you can look on it and they're yeah. just spotted all around us.
2: Oh, interesting. That's
0: super cool. And so is there one thing that visitors miss that they really shouldn't miss?
4: No. The Songo River Queen is my favorite. I think people should definitely try that. But we also get a lot of people that they're just coming here to enjoy their campsite. And the thing with our campground, because we're right on the water and those sites go right to the water's edge, a lot of people just set up camp and that's where they stay. We have everything here at the campground, so they don't even need to leave. You come in. Parker camper and you're good to go you don't need to go
0: anywhere that
2: sounds pretty tempting too yeah
0: that, the, i think the idea then is to what's the longest you can reserve a site yeah, right. because <laughs> it sounds like you come in and part of it you're just sitting by the water fishing. maybe fishing yeah. maybe just sitting around and then you're like all right i've been here for enough days i'm gonna go and on then the go plane exploring
4: or- yeah i think it varies too on what people are looking for during the summertime july a lot of people will book for a week some people will stay longer they'll stay for a few weeks. We do do two specials. We have a spring and a fall special, and the spring special is six weeks and it starts a week before we open they get the site for the whole six weeks at a seriously discounted rate it comes out to like 17 dollars a day and the site's theirs for that whole time and then we do the same thing in the fall depending on when labor day falls sometimes it's right before or right after labor day and goes to the end of our season so they can experience main spring which is beautiful and then they can experience the main fall which is even more beautiful because you've got all the leaves changing Aww. Also, we have seasonals, but I will tell you. So we are actually celebrating our 60th anniversary this year. Mm -hmm. So we're 60 years old. And some of our seasonals that are here have been here since the campground opened. Wow. They've passed it down to their family or, you know, their kids grew up and they got their own seasonal site. And my wait list for seasonals is over 170 people long because they do not give them up. They do not (laughs) give those sites up. Wow.
0: If they've been there that long, are some of them in what are now vintage? RVs or?
4: Oh no, we have requirements for sure. You know, you have to upgrade your RV and we want to make sure that we're looking nice for everyone and we want to make sure their sites look nice and everyone does a fabulous job. They take really good care of their sites and make them look nice and, you know, look like home. So.
0: Hmm, interesting. And then is there one thing you wish campers knew before they showed up?
4: That's a tough question. We've seen definitely an influx of new campers and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see these new people because they are excited. So I think the biggest thing is just that camping etiquette part. You know, you don't walk across other people's site, how to do certain things with your trailer, how to hook it up properly. Knock on wood, you know, we haven't had some of the issues that other campgrounds have had with trailers not functioning properly when they set them up. But I I think just, you know, being aware that this is kind of a different experience than some people might be used to, you know, you go to a resort, and everything's kind of taken care of for you, which we try to do as much as we can, but it's still up to you, you've got to set up your own site, take it down. So just understanding that campground etiquette and the noise levels and taking care of your pets, taking care of your kids are, are the biggest things that I try to stress
0: to people. Sounds good. Well, now, when do we leave? Oh, wait, we might not be able to get a reservation. (laughs) (laughs) Won't do any good.
2: We leave in a year from now so that we can be there in May of 2022. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I could go see if I could find any of my mom's old relatives. Right, yeah. Well, cool, Billy. We sure appreciate your spending some time with us today. Yeah, thank
2: you so much. I
4: appreciate you guys. Thank you. This is great.
2: This is going to be the problem for us because we're going to find out about so many great places and we're like... Way over here on the other wow. side. <laughs> like, so okay, just... get the
4: calendar out. Let's figure this out. Yeah, Airbnb, <laughs> the
0: sticks and bricks, and head out on the road. Yeah. I, it's a simple there solution.
4: <laughs> it's a good thing your stuff's on wheels, so you can take it where you need yeah, to go. right. Exactly. Come up to New England. Yeah. Yep.
0: I intend to just because my mom had family there that I've never I even gotten to meet or anything yeah. so that would be an interesting experience
4: yeah anyway we'll start planning your trip for next year <laughs> right absolutely
0: <laughs> all right awesome. billy well thank you so much for your time yep.
4: all right thank you guys have a great day Thanks, you as you well too.
0: pleasure speaking with you
4: <laughs> stay warm <laughs> you too yes i will try
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all
0: right. All right. Bye. bye <laughs> Last week, our question of the week was, what would you like to say to the RV industry?
2: We had quite a few answers that boiled down to quality.
0: Yeah, people were very concerned about the quality of rigs. And having come out of the RV industry, I can say that there are certainly some issues with the quality of some RVs being built without a doubt. Another thing to consider is that no matter how well they make it, you're basically subjecting the thing to gale force winds and an earthquake about 4.5 on the Richter scale. So things are going to rattle and shake and all of that. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I also, I'm going to kind of not be the most popular person saying this, but a lot of the RVs I saw when I was selling RVs, that had issues were due to either a lack of maintenance or a lack of being used properly. And we got a lot of people who just did not familiarize themselves with their RVs and had issues as a result and blamed the RV and it wasn't the RV's fault. So yes, again, back to what I was saying, Yes, there are certainly issues with some product in the RV industry. And there is a very distinct difference in how some RVs are built over others. There are absolutely RVs that are, I think, very well made. And there's junk. I mean, truthfully, some of it is just shop carefully. Uh, Some of it is... There's a limited number of suppliers for things, and there are some challenges. Competition is good for any industry, no matter what that industry is. Yep. And lastly, you really will do yourself a favor by subscribing to the Stressless Camping Podcast. Oh, man. (laughs) And just learning as much as you can about that big, expensive toy you have in the driveway.
2: Right. Know before you go.
0: Yeah. Boy, that's good. (laughs) Know before you go.
2: Yeah, do some careful shopping and don't just expect everything is going to be the same.
0: There's huge differences in how things are made.
2: All right. So, Cindy asked if there could possibly be more public campgrounds for big rigs.
0: Well, and the new directive from the national parks does include larger sites. So, that's coming, but when? It's going to move at the speed of the federal government. <laughs> so, there is that. But, yeah, but it's they're coming. coming. But then that goes to the next statement.
2: Engel wanted to know what the industry is doing to improve mileage in RVs. And
0: that's just the opposite of having big rigs. Okay, so I went off on a tangent, which is a huge surprise, right? (laughs) We all have seen in the news and such that electric vehicles are coming, whether it be By the force of government or just consumer demand, electric vehicles are starting to sell vehicles like the Tesla Cybertruck and the Hummer H1 and the electric trucks. Ford has an electric truck coming out. So those are at least getting some attention, right? And so one of the things that is kind of a joke in the RV industry is somebody says, so how much gas mileage do you get? And the answer is 10 to 12 miles per gallon. Absolutely. No matter what you are driving. And the reason for that is you are basically shoving a giant square through the air. And so the less surface that an RV has at the front, the more efficiently it will tow. And I wonder, and this is me speculating and pulling ideas right out of thin air, if What you might start seeing are RVs that are more aerodynamic. Things like the Trail Manor, where the top kind of collapses into the bottom, or those Safari Condo. Those trailers, there's one that's specifically designed to be towed by EVs. So I wonder if consumer demand and the desire for increased range will start to dictate changes to some RVs in their shape and size Hmm. i know
2: we shall see yeah
0: well if i had a crystal ball right (laughs) be interesting
2: right all right and then there's my favorite comment of all and i want to thank arlene for writing because arlene said she wants to tell the rv industry thank you for helping me get out camping and that is the best sentiment i can think yeah of. I, I think
0: we need to uh, applause <laughs> without sound the industry in
2: there wouldn't be any camping yeah that's, well there,
0: yeah that's right i well, mean we-
2: at least uh t- well i suppose there are people who just take their cars out and sleep in the back but even then they must have a lantern or a right stove or something <laughs> yeah
0: uh, the rv industry has really enabled us to enjoy a terrific lifestyle whether that be part-time full-time whatever it is it's awesome right it's awesome baby
2: (laughs) (laughs) so this week i have a question for you and first i want to preface this by saying we have four different kinds of camp chairs (laughs) and i'm eyeballing another yep and i want to know what your favorite camp chair is I mean, you know, to help me with my shopping research. (laughs) So let us know what kind of chair do you like and why? Because, you know, I want a little more information than just one word. I like the purple one. (laughs) Yeah, purple. (laughs) That's my favorite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that will be on our stressless camping facebook group and uh, of course it's free to join that naturally since it's on facebook and also we do our very best to make sure that folks stay friendly political free and happy campers
2: and you know what else is free what our weekly newsletter. Oh
0: my gosh, and we only send it once a week.
2: That's right. And you can get it by going on www.stresslesscamping.com and signing up for our newsletter email list.
0: Not only do we have our latest articles, but also we have articles from around the internet that I think are worth sharing. And once a week we send that out. Of course, we never share your information. Never. That would not be Stressless Camping.
2: We just use that address and send you a weekly email. Of
0: course, if you're looking for For a great resource for new RVers, RV events, deals, and more, check out the homepage of StresslessCamping.com. We've put together lots of resources, including tips for new RVers, recipes, vintage RV stories, and so much Much, more. Much,
2: much more. And we're in all those social places. So when you're in www.StresslessCamping.com, you can jump off into Facebook and instagram and all those places that are fun
0: and while you're there don't forget our discounts and deals on the best things you'll need to have your stressless camping adventure and if you've got a great deal for our audience let us know we're happy to share it
2: and if you don't want to miss a future episode of the stressless camping podcast it's free it's also free to subscribe on any podcast app
0: we're saving you a seat around our virtual campfire
2: and if you have a moment and could take a moment to write us a review to help other people find this podcast. It gets us more listeners. That gets us all these wonderful guests that we've been able to get. Super helpful. And this week, I wanted to thank dancing ferret
0: and for myrtle
2: for writing us some fantastic reviews yes, we really thank really you appreciate so much. We're, that. We're,
0: i mean the bottom line is we're here to serve you and we're really really pleased when we do so that is the goal of this podcast is to provide you information you can use so you can enjoy some stressless camping i yes, mean that's indeed. why it's named that so anyway thank you so much for putting us in your ears again this week we really appreciate it we hope you have a great week enjoy some spring weather and